Jesus, are you kidding me? Hello there. You are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for <laughs> Gravity. Tingus is offended by that. Well, yes, he is. Let's check with him in a moment. My name is Tom Chick, and I am here with the offended Christian Molanski. Look, I don't know what kind of name that is, but my dad wanted a boy. <laughs> and with the gravity tagline, Kelly Wand. Uh, just put more handles on stuff. It's <laughs> a very auspicious beginning, Kelly Wand. I'm the science advisor to NASA. The thing about uh, that song is that it, I always thought he was saying, I don't want a missile, babe. Who would ever say that, though? Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, that's the first question. Andrew Bullock. Andrew. Uh, stand by for more misunderheard, li- misheard lyrics. Uh, that will be great fun later. Uh, before we, we talk gravity, though, I just want to remind folks we have begun our 30 Days of Horror series. Uh, so check in at quarter to three for that. We are, we are out. Thank God we are out of the fifties. Man, that, that was not easy. Uh, we're in just rubber suits, right? Well, we're into the parts of, of history when they started to figure out how to make better movies, I, I think. Uh, we officially hit that at 1960 uh, with a movie called Peeping Tom. It was the first time that I didn't regret signing up to do this series. Uh, so uh, join us for that on uh, quarter to three. And we'd like to remind you up front, follow us on Twitter at, at QT3 uh, and like us on Facebook. Now that we have that out of the way, um, do, do we have any bookkeeping, anything else? that we thought gonna... that's what that was. That, that, was any, any other bookkeeping? that wasn't even bookkeeping. It's more delays. It's like, um, this is more work than operating on a space station would be. Well, let's get to that. Uh, Dingus, what did we see this week? Speaking of operating on space stations, how's that for a uh, segue, Kelly Wand? Well, it's kind of what I did, but you just sort of spit in. Did you see the Hobbit trailer? Oh, you didn't watch that. No, well, no, I will, I, will, I will watch the Hobbit trailer. That's what I was saying, because you don't care. I have no desire <laughs> to see that movie. I'm done with the Peter Jackson Hobbit movies. You know, I, I like my extended edition Lord of the Rings stuff. Everything after that, whatever. Just finish these up, Peter Jackson, and go make another King Kong or whatever. So I, I watched the entirety of The Hobbit trailer. Dingus, did you watch that? No, because, uh, again, as I always say about these things, even as we watched Roland Emmerich's 2012, um, is that I, I am trying to preserve if we have to see it, because we might have to see it for the podcast no, at some no, point. No, I'm not going to see it. I'm not going to see it. Just I, you've like, said that about so many things, and then we can wind up seeing it. Like what? Um, uh, did we see The Lone Ranger? No, no, that's a great example. Did we see Grown Ups too? No. Did we, we saw see, 2012? Did, that's the example I'm giving. I, I actually wanted to. see Or The Hobbit one. We saw. I wanted. I, I wanted to see 2012. I did the not. Hobbit one. Did we, see, did we see Rush? No. No, that's a good point. So I don't think we'll be seeing. Did we see Tyler Perry's Why Did It Get Married too? <laughs> and I didn't watch the trailer for that. I did not see the trailer for that. Exactly. So. And so I did not watch the trailer for The Hobbit whatever number two is called. I don't know, just winning this battle. I uh, really because confused. if there's anything in it worth seeing, I don't want to ruin it in the trailer. So a lot of times the trailer will will ruin it, at right. least the visuals I want to, like the eye candy. And I don't want that ruined, so that's why I don't. What this tells me about you, Dingus, about is that you are willing to see the next Hobbit movie. Uh, what it tells me is that I am not willing to watch the trailer. <laughs> All right. I thought 
Tom was going was, oh, I watched the trailer because I don't, I don't care about spoilers, but I'll, I'll see it. But no, no, yeah, I did not only watch trailers for things I'm never going to see. Exactly, exactly, or things that I've already seen. For instance, I watch trailers for things I don't care if there, if anything in it is spoiled, and that's very few things. Like Grown Ups too. Exactly. Right. As a matter of fact, that's making me want to see that trailer again. <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy seeing a trailer when I know there's not a chance in hell I will ever see the movie or want to see the movie. Like you might have a point with the Hobbit movie, Dingus. Fair enough. But Grown Ups too. Show me that trailer seven times before a movie. I'd rather you do that than show me trailers for other movies. You're right. You're right. And I didn't even watch the trailer for Ender's Game, and I have no intention of seeing that. Wait a minute. No, we're going to see that. Dingus, oh, where are your priorities? I think you uh, it's a I cookbook. Think- Spoiler alert. <laughs> All right. Well, with this, so let's uh, enough about trailers. Kelly Wan. Yeah. I don't something? even know. That was a waste of time. <laughs> well, was there something in the Hobbit trailer that caught your eye, or? Uh, it looked less boring than the first one because they don't wash dishes for an hour, so that made me kind of want to see it. I think. They're going to put that on the poster. It, yeah, it just looked like a bunch of CG jizz. But well, I mean, you know, with monsters and shit and dragons, as opposed to dishes. Ergo, uh, I did like the scene where uh, Bilbo says to Gandalf, I-, "I found something in the caves," and Gandalf is like. Oh, really? What did you find? And Bilbo has to think a minute, and he sort of fingers the ring in his pocket, and hey. he thinks, and he considers, and then he says, oh, I found my courage, and he has to lie to Gandalf. And I was like, oh, that's like a touching moment. In the book, Gandalf is like, oh, it has the ring of truth to it, and fucks with him, and he knows. Oh, sneaky. So they took that out, or they're, they're expanding that into the... <laughs> is, wait, is, is Michael Caine playing the Hobbit in this? Yes, that was my Michael Caine dingus. That's... <laughs> wait, do it again? And do you, I found something in the caves. <laughs> you're doing it wrong. <laughs> All right, before we do our dueling Michael Caine impressions, we're saving that for another podcast. Dingus, what did we see this week? Oh, All right, yeah. This week we saw Gravity. Mm. A 2013. <laughs> if we were in space, you couldn't have heard Tom say that. That's the slogan for the movie. <laughs> That's Tom's quote on the poster. <laughs> it's like Scooby doing movies. He thought it was a spoiler, so he cut it off. But then he went, no, I'm not going to cut it off. I'm going to keep going. But I'm going to confuse them like I planned all along. All right, back to what you're saying. I'm sorry. Boring. A 2013 American drama science fiction thriller movie about, uh, you know, I loved going into this movie knowing absolutely nothing other than I was absolutely required to see it in 3D. So that's all I'm going to tell you it's about. You need to see it in 3D. Um, it was directed and written by Alfonso Cuaron. He wrote it with his son, Jonas Cuaron. Guys, it's hard to say these names. I don't know if you would say Jonas or Jonas um, since uh, he lives in Mexico. Um, but it's a father-son collaboration. Uh, the father... Alfonso wrote, directed, co-produced, and co-edited and co-wrote it with his son. Uh, his son only wrote it. Um, it stars Sandra Bullock and George Clooney. Gravity is rated PG-13 mm. for intense, perilous sequences. <laughs> perilous. I don't recall hearing that in. I never hear the word. same word in two of these. It's always one extra word. Some disturbing images. But some's always in it. Right. And brief, strong language. Uh, A.K.A. the F word that's allowed. Tons of weak language. Lots of S words. Okay, for all ages. Yeah, there... 
Uh, all right, so Gravity opened uh, easily at number one. It made $55 million in its uh, opening weekend. It is the highest October opening ever ahead of the previous record holder, which was uh, Paranormal Activity 2. Yes. Damn. Uh, yes. Which, by the way, it's just now occurring to me, what happened this year? Why aren't we getting a Paranormal Activity? What happened? Mm. Even they can't. It's a leap year, that's why. See, it, it is like it's like they forgot. I don't know what, what's going on. I guess they just are doing. Yeah, uh, the mythos is they need to. It's going to be like gravity. They're going to do one in space. Five years. <laughs> Demons lay fallow. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's also the highest opening ever for George Clooney and Sandra Bullock, but it is not the highest opening for Alfonso Cuarón, whose uh, Harry Potter Prisoners of Uzbekistan uh, that's had a not higher opening. Yeah. That's not. That shouldn't count. Um, well, if you're talking bottom line, it counts. Um, mm, but point. at any rate, very successful. Um, on Critically speaking, on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the percentage of reviews positive, 98. <laughs> so 2% of the reviews out there are like me. Discuss, yeah. <laughs> uh, on Metacritic, where it tends to be a, a somewhat lower number because it's using the average ratings from various reviews, uh, on Metacritic, Gravity is only at 96. Ouch. Mm. Oh, that's painful. You hate to see that after so much hard work. Kellyanne, what do we know from these numbers? What have, we, what have they taught us? Mm, that if there was a third uh, thing to cross-reference, it would yes. be four. Very good. It's, uh, what, would, what would that I be? used science to triangulate that. <laughs> You're good at this. We should send you into space. I've decided that I'm here to correct your math. <laughs> I'm like your Hal, but I'm not... Insane. Someone's got to do it. Uh, Kelly Wand, in that case, I would like you to open the pod bay doors and give us a gravopsis. What are you doing, Kelly? Um, <clears throat> I, I had gravitas, but... Gravitas. Kelly Wand, can you give us some gravitas? <sighs> would you call it gravopsis? Yeah. it's better. Okay, let's go with that then. Kelly Wand, fly it like you stole it. Some IMAX 3D words come up. Outer space may be awesome looking, but living there is lame. The humidity varies from negative 300 not cellulite to positive million point nothing. Also, there's no air or food, and you can't hear anything except scary music and Chinese dogs. Also, Tang turns to powder because of cosmic rays, which, according to Stephen Hawking, don't confer superpowers except for stretching. That's the only real one. There's also no gravity, so you may find our title confusing. <laughs> George Clooney packs around a bunch of solar baby panels, ricocheting handsomely. <laughs> solar baby panels? <laughs> what? Um, I don't make up the science, all right? The science makes up the opposites. Are they skating Every- on them? Everybody who got that loved that, Kelly Wand. That was nice. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Just you, I suspect. <laughs> He's all, party! Hey, Bullock, look at me. I'm in the universe, bitches. Woo! Count bats. <laughs> You make him sound like Jesse from Breaking Bad. I know. I miss that show. Um, can't bounce off shit on Earth wearing a spacesuit this late at night very conveniently. She's all, hey, maybe you want to conserve a little of that jetpack fuel in case there's an emergency. That's our last can. He's all, best thing about this suit, it recycles my urine as vodka. Mmm, I'm fucking wasted. Thanks, Houston. They're all, yeah, like we told you five minutes ago, your suit doesn't do that. Also, this is Cape Averill. Over. <laughs> oh, yeah, if my suit doesn't use Dune Tech, how come I feel so dumb and nauseous? Checkmate, Houston. 
Hey, Bullock, how are those unscrewings coming? <laughs> Better get a move on. couple guys at Winnetka have been without Star's romance for almost six minutes. How's it feel to be tech support this far from North America? Majestic? She's all, dude, I feel horrible because my bones are dissolving. Also, my eyes shrank because of the no water, and now they're floating around on their stocks inside my space helmet. Don't worry, Sandra, that's normal. Out here would be weirder if we weren't dying. Those side effects will wear off way before your radiation issues once we're back. Just don't get your eye stocks tangled. Had a similar issue last mission. Now i got to wear boxers. She's all, you guys know I'm not an astronaut, right? Just a freelance unscrewer for Home Depot? (laughs) He's all, me neither. I think I'm an Air Force colonel. Real astronauts take a whole year to piss through this much fuel. Easy there, third character. Your rubber band's not a toy. Also, maybe put your helmet on if you're going to bash into our sails like that. Speaking of which, hey, Houston, ever tell you guys the story about me and the hairy guy eating tacos at Mardi Gras? Yeah, yeah, Dan Hedaya. <laughs> uh, Clooney to NASA. What's Khrushchev's record for most meandering anecdote in orbit again? Hey, look, I found a way to use up jetpack fuel without even moving. Can you give me a fuck yeah, Houston? Houston? Yeah, we hear you. <laughs> Sandra to NASA? Oh, shit, the screw's floating away. Why don't we have those on chains? Banks have better tech. Actually, shouldn't we all be tethered and have jetpacks? What if something dumb happens? Uh, Roger that. Also, guys, uh, Apollo 18 just crashed into the orbital soundstage where they're shooting the newspaper office interiors for the Capricorn 1 reboot. And uh, all that's hit a metal shards factory the size of Paris, Texas, Lucy's. Abort mission. Repeat. Stop trying to repair the hatch to get back inside your ship and do whatever it takes to get back inside your ship. Do you over. Uh, Sandra to Houston, copy that. Hang on, I just got to finish painting this panel so it matches the primer. Ow, Houston, I'm getting visual. My crew member's pancreas, it's severed, over. Also, a billion steel splinters just hurtled past. Hang on, I'm going to try and swim over and catch one in my mouth. Hey, where's the ship? Uh, Sandra, you're floating away to outer space. Also, it's a satellite. Um, Houston, I'm floating away to outer space, over. There's some handles coming up in grabbing range. Okay, I'm past them. That was close. NASA to Sandra, grab the handle with your glove and try not to die over. Houston, you're breaking up. I missed everything after try not to die over. NASA to Sandra, that was the last thing we said. Now we need you to grab the handle. What handle? The one six inches in front of your face, not moving. Can you grab that? Why? Hey, NASA to Clooney, what are you doing? Just listening to you guys. A couple more deaths up here, by the way. <laughs> Houston. Yes, Sandra. Okay, I just used the handle to propel my body into an oncoming piece of debris. It's opened a hole in my air hose, and now it's carrying me away to Pluto. We did it, Houston. Repeat, we did it. Hey, Houston. Yeah, Clooney. I keep trying to plant the flag, but there's nothing up here to stick the bottom part into. <laughs> Colonel, do you have enough fuel to go grab Sandra and make your way to Act 2? Uh-huh. <laughs> Sandra, you're floating out of range. We need you to activate your static reducer. Sandra to NASA, I am still reading you. Do you copy? Yes, Sandra. We do. Did you hear what we said? Sandra to NASA, that static reducer was useless. I kicked that fucker in the creek. (laughs) (laughs) That's for Tom.
NASA to Sandra. Words. Static. Uh, Sandra to NASA. I got my foot caught in some rope, but it was only strong enough for me to hold on to Clooney's hand long enough for me to cut it off. I'm now in some tubes with some Russian writing on them. For better pore ventilation, I'm taking off my spacesuit. Now I'm wriggling around in a pink teddy and fishnets. Oh, this weightlessness sure is doing some crazy shit to my boobs. NASA to Sandra, we need to switch the cameras on and set them to the highest resolution so we can assess hull integrity and also the uh, ships. Also, feel free to turn the transmit volume down or even off. We don't need that part. Over. Sandra to Houston, everything here is on fire, including me. Is that bad? NASA to Sandra, copy that. Uh, burning is ill-advised. Evasive protocols authorized. How are those cameras covered? <laughs> Sorry, I'm the NASA. Sandra to Houston, I tried to take off in an escape pod, but the button said parachute in English, which I thought was Russian for launch escape pod, and now I'm dying again. Hello? You one crazy lady, Dr. Jones. (laughs) Sing with my dogs. (laughs) I think it's the exact opposite reaction. Sandra to NASA. <laughs> Lost you there for a minute. Sandra, actually, that's the new chief of NASA. Sometimes he grabs the mic away. We don't know his name yet. Sandra to base. I just hallucinated Clooney came in and got drunk and told me to reboot the retcon systems. It was inspiring but creepy. NASA to Sandra, that really happened. He just left again while you were talking. Don't worry, he's really dead this time. He died the way he always wanted, trying to figure out how to take a leak in space. Hey, we're sending some heat shield replacement panels, stack three by Mascatrons for your reentry. Sandra to Houston. I just use a fire extinguisher and can of chili to reach Act 3. I just fired it up, jettisoned all the fuel and oxygen, and now I'm named right at the Earth's atmosphere. Also, everything's on fire again. Is that bad? Nasa to Sandra, static noises, repeat, uh, 80s CB radio crackly sounds. Sandra to NASA, my capsule's in the ocean filling with water. I'm trying to drink as much as I can, but it just keeps coming. Sandra to NASA? Sandra to NASA, are you still interested? Sandra to NASA, I'm on the ocean floor thinking this telepathically. I have an unobstructed path to the surface, but there's some kelp here. It's a bit out of my way, but I think I can get entangled in it on my way up. Over. NASA to Sandra, using whatever Chinese GPS is called, we've fixed your position. Good news, you're just off the coast of Java. We should be able to get a rescue sea bus deployed to your ocean in 8 to 12 weeks, right around the time you'll regain the ability to walk. Be advised, your vicinity is heavily populated by wolves, aliens, fire eater ants, and assholes. Also, night temperatures will be ten times colder than deep space, although the monsoon hitting that area in a few hours should take your mind off that. Also, copy that, NASA. Damn, space may still be statistically the safest way to travel to Java, but next time, I'm taking the bus. (laughs) The end. Nice payoff, Kelly Wand. See? And speed. So we should have warned everyone there would be spoilers. I guess by now you know that comes with the synopsis. Uh, you don't know about the spoilers and what's gibberish. That's a good point. That is a good point. Awesome. All right. Uh, Kelly Wand, why don't you go first and tell us what you thought of Gravity? First of all, uh, did you see it in 3D? I saw it in IMAX 3D. Interesting. Do you regret your choice? 
No, I do not. I think it's the best 3D movie experience I've ever had. I think it's the best IMAX experience I've ever had. I think it's the best movie opening I've seen maybe ever, and I want to see it again. It's the first movie I wanted to see a second time in a theater since uh, Mannequin. Okay, I'll quit pulling. Oh, ah, see, okay, I knew see. you couldn't be entirely. Yep. I, okay. For a minute, yeah, he, I believed you. He puts that rug under you so quickly, you don't even know he's going to be able to yank it out so quickly. <laughs> in space, it's there's no rug under the. Uh, how many of those things did you mean, Kelly Wand? <laughs> I forgot what I said. I'm mainly <laughs> suspicious about the part about mannequin. Court reporter, would you please read that back? Uh, I don't want to go first. All right, Dingus, get in here. How did gravity work for you? You going in knowing nothing about it? Uh, I I kind of know this because Dingus and I saw it with a group of folks, and we didn't enforce our normal "don't talk about the movie" policy. Uh, so oh, oh, what? I know, I know. Did you see it in IMAX 3D or the normal? So we, did we not saw it, see it in IMAX. We saw it in 3D. Go ahead, Tom. Well, we yeah, we we saw it. We had a, a friend of ours who. I was the holdout. I was like, I'm not going to see a freaking movie in 3D. I'm not going to do this. And a friend of ours was like, come on, let's really see it. Let's see it in 3D. And I, I finally gave in to her, and I was like, okay, fine. We'll see it in 3D. Uh, I trust you enough. So we did see it in 3D, but we also scoured around to look for a theater that used this new Dolby Sound technology called Atmos. I don't know what it stands for. But the <laughs> idea is that you have – space, though. Well, the idea is you have speakers on the sides of you, like any – good sound system but there are also speakers along the top and the ceiling uh there's a new positioning system that they use knowing nothing about the movie i had another friend of ours prevail upon us you should see it in atmos so we didn't get to see imax we instead went for 3d in atmos and i don't regret the sound system thing just because of the nature of how the film is shot the fact that there were speakers at the top of the theater made a huge difference. Uh, I, I was so glad that I saw it in 3D and that we sussed out one of these Atmos-equipped theaters. Um, See, why can't you just get... So I saw it in IMAX 3D, but maybe without Atmos? There's only... I think there's only a few theaters in the, in the L.A. area that have Atmos. Atmos. Yeah. Atmos. It's Atmos. Don't know what it stands for. Uh, it's, it's a space movie, so I go. I take the visuals over the sound. I only one yeah. awesome perk of those two. Right, right. Uh, I, we, we were also seated a bit further back than I would have liked, so I was a little uh, afraid that... Uh, um, but I'm with you, Kelly Wand, that I, I can't wait to go... Like, I'm really eager to go see it again. I mean, it's so nice to see something that completely validates the experience of going out to a theater. Like, this is something that, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind watching it at home, but I really just feel a good theatrical experience. This is what this is all about. Uh, for me. And I, I saw this in Orange County where the crowds are a little obnoxious. Like they're on a Friday night. Like there's a lot of kids. They like to, there's they're kind of a loud doofusy crowd, and they were like hushed the whole movie. Like as mesmerized as I was. I was a little nervous during the opening because there's a long stretch of silence as the ship drifts in, and you hear the the, the radio chatter. Uh, it was the audience going to put up for that, and uh, you know the opening. No, they're already tripping because of the 3D and the IMAX. I, I think yeah. first, and then, and then the movie sucks them in, and then it's even right. they're like sound the rest of the way. But they did laugh when she went for the kelp at the end, and I wonder was that an intentional joke? Because isn't her trademark line "What now"? Because it doesn't she say that like a couple times? I read somewhere that she never screams, and she insisted on that, and like Horan was like, oh. it's if I was there, and she's like, no, shouldn't scream. 
I, good. I, I like that decision. That works for me. I've I always, get, oh, go ahead, Kelly. Go on. I just want to say one thing about her. It's like I've I always like Sandra Bullock, but I feel like she never makes any movies that are my cup of tea that I want to see. Right. Like since Speed One, except The Heat, which you didn't see. You guys did. You saw it for me, and the that's heat. all I wanted to say. Okay. Uh, Dingus, get in here. All right. So how did how did why don't you uh, elaborate for us uh, whether or not or how well Gravity worked for you? What, what was your take on this thing? I I freaking loved it. Uh, I'm I'm so grateful that uh, that this renderer not only just said yeah you guys should see it and we should see it in 3D but really kind of put her foot down and said you have to see this movie in 3D because she watched the trailer and in a movie where we were watching something else in 3D that was kind of crappy but seeing the trailer in 3D she's like oh yeah because we don't watch trailers so we don't have that you know that's the one advantage I would guess to watching a trailer and and she's somebody we trust and she said yeah you have to see this movie in 3D so uh, we kind of said okay then we'll endeavor to do that and that is this is one of those those the theatrical experiences that I just really cherish now yeah. i mean i can't wait to go back and sit in the theater and watch this again i mean one of the things is that you know you do have that i'm i'm, I'm i don't know if i'm ever going to be able to sign on for 3d wholeheartedly be until they find a way to make 3d without me putting sunglasses on because i still feel like i'm i'm muting the colors of the movie but even given that it's just just it's just such an amazing experience sitting feeling like you're sitting there in space and especially because of the way modern stadium theaters have you seated and the way the sound system worked um i was just nuts about sitting there watching this movie and, and the way he shot it i mean it's beautifully shot beautifully edited and never I don't think it's ever extreme. I mean, you have a couple of moments where like a bolt drifts towards you. Fine. I don't care about that. But just the, the, that visual of, of sitting out there outside of the earth and feeling like you're sitting outside of the earth. I mean, I freaking love that. Um, yeah, go ahead. There, there are, uh, I think this is probably only the third time in my life I felt this way, but I can think of two other instances where I went to see something and felt like I'd seen something completely new, unprecedented, like I'd seen some almost new form of entertainment. Yeah. I'd sort of glimpsed something that I felt like had never been done before, and I don't quite – we'll talk about it, but I, I'm having a hard time putting my finger on why that's the case here, how much of it is distinct to this setting, this story. Uh, and it's going to sound a little silly, but the only two times I felt this way, one of ones wasn't even a movie. Uh, the first time was after seeing Jurassic Park, uh, and even recognizing that you know some of the, the character stuff in Jurassic Park I didn't care for, and there was a bit of Spielbergism. But just the way that they presented the dinosaurs and the way that CG was integrated with Stan Winston's mechanical dinosaurs, uh, just feeling like I was on the threshold of really cool, amazing stuff with computer-generated graphics and integrating them into a movie. You know, Cameron had played with that for a long time, but I just remember coming out of Jurassic Park and just being blown away by how the technology was used. The only other time before Jurassic Park, and I feel dopey saying this, but it's absolutely true, uh, I I love opera, and before I was ever into (laughs) opera, uh, I, I got into it by 
by going to see when I was in school in London way back when a production of Phantom of the Opera. And I didn't, I don't know musicals. I don't know opera. And I just saw this live musical going in to sit in a theater and hearing people sing. And even though it was this, this cloying Andrew Lloyd Webber pap, which I love, I was just so blown away by that and really moved by something I'd never experienced before. So seeing my first live musical, seeing Jurassic Park, and now seeing Gravity, uh, all three of those just feel unique and unprecedented to me. Uh, and it's just amazing to capture that, that sense of discovery again. Um, I think it has to do with maybe just everything working, like it's just that blend of things working. Well, so I've, I've talked about Well, go on. Well, I've, I, there, there is this idea, and I was, we talked previously about this, of like the perfect movie where everything blends together. And I don't think that gravity is that. For, like, I, I, everything does blend well together, Kelly Wan, but I think what it is for me is that the things that blend well are things that don't normally uh, necessarily make a, a movie. And, and let me just rattle off a couple of these. Uh, gravity is so effective at marshalling, at, at harnessing the power of technology, you know, this is basically a feature-length example of what Quaron did with that car scene in Children mm-hmm. of Men, yeah. to just blow that out into a full movie and not feel gratuitous. I think back to that car scene in Children of Men, and it's amazing. I'm not clear why he's doing it other than, hey, look what I can do. Here, it feels entirely appropriate. It fits so well with the story he's telling. So he's harnessing the power of technology, the power of celebrity, you know, Sandra Bullock and George Clooney are so perfect at this. I mean, yeah. I love what they bring here. Absolutely. Uh, the, the, the power of spectacle. Good Lord, those images of the, the, the spaceships being shredded and the, and the camera work. That stuff was just amazing to me. Uh, the power of a story about humanity. And mm-hmm. I want to talk more about this in a minute. Uh, this intimacy with characters, which you don't normally find with spectacle and celebrity. Uh, and even a deeper message. Um, so so it, it harnesses things that don't often fit together or where one of them tends to eclipse the other. Uh, and they all complement each other so well. So you know what, Kelly Wand, you're right. Uh, it's just so many things work so well together here. Uh, that's a lot of it. Yeah, like even the writing. Like the mundanities of Clooney's anecdotes were mm-hmm. great because look where he's saying them. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> under those conditions. So it, it's yeah. just – it's a really great contrast. And, and like another th- – it's like – 3D, I think we all hate in general, but this, because it usually makes things look muddy and washed out and the pal, like, and it just doesn't look real. But in this, it's space, so it's already got like a, it should be dark. So it sort of plays into that canvas more easily. So it really is just this, everything just works. It was meant to work this well. Yeah. Uh, Dingus, you uh, made an approving noise when I mentioned Sandra Bullock and George Clooney. Uh, yeah, I think they're great. I, I, I when we were again, you, you talked about the fact that we went to see it with a group of people. We were at dinner, and I felt like the overall consensus at the table was that uh, nobody liked Sandra Bullock, or they just don't like her as a person, or they, they didn't like her acting, or they didn't appreciate her, or they were predisposed. I, I never got a sense from anybody um, that they really appreciate her. I think she's freaking brilliant. After the movie, they didn't like her. Yes, after the movie, we went to dinner and. I thought it was the best I've ever seen. It's the best performance she's ever given. Yeah, I, th- I, I think she's freaking I think she's amazing. amazing. And I think that that her performance in particular in in when she's spinning out of control and Kron decides to focus on just to to basically 
uh, cement the camera to her face as the world is sort of spinning behind her in and out yeah. instead of like just having her spin and, and make us dizzy. And you see what's going on in her eyes. And in addition to what you understand is what is clearly what she has to do physically for the performance. Yeah. She I said think, it was the worst. It was like the most punishing, miserable experience. I, I think she's brilliant in this. Yeah. I, I absolutely think she's brilliant in this. And, and I thought that everybody at our table, and we're talking about eight, nine people were, were sort of dismissive of her. And I really, you know, as much as I don't want to see some of the stuff she's done, uh, I I can't say a bad thing about what she does here. Yeah, yes. me neither. I love it. You guys should see the heat because I remember when hearing, oh, the next Alfonso Cuaron movie is a, a sci-fi drama with George Clooney and Sandra Bullock. I remember thinking, oh god. But then immediately after the heat, I was like, oh, okay. I think I'm on board with that. I want to see where this is going. Uh, and and Dingus, that you mentioned, you know, where the camera eventually tethers to her face when she's spinning out of control. That's such a, a narratively significant moment because. Up until then, you don't know, is this going to be an ensemble thing? Uh, Is George Clooney going to be our hero? When she goes spinning off into space, and she kind of ranges out, and then we catch up with her, and and when it eventually focuses on her face, and the universe starts swirling around her, it's almost like this narrative Copernicus shift, (laughs) like where she's going to be (laughs) the center of the story at that point. Uh, And I was just so grateful with how they played with that, what they did with that. Um, some of the, you know, speechifying stuff about her daughter, uh, might have even been a little uh, overdone, but I was okay with that. Like, I was okay with them wanting to have reveals about her character, especially because of how it fit in thematically with what I felt the point of the movie was. Um, I, I would love to see her, like, recognize, I don't care about the Academy Awards, but good lord, I'd love to see her get a nomination for this. Uh, she was just so good at being front and center and present and intimate and captivating for me. She kind of reminded me of Bruce Willis in Die Hard a little bit because she fucking hated oh. space. I thought you were going to say Bruce Willis in Armageddon. God no, I'm talking about a good performance, <laughs> and a good movie. But Kelly, that's a great, that's a great. Like she's not perky like Jodie Foster. Like this is Grayson's majestic and beautiful. They should have brought a poet. She's like, fuck, can we get inside? Like she's just so sick of it. And she's it, the movie starts and she's already in that mode. Like goddamn fucking. Well, oh, yeah, she's literally sick. Yeah, she's sick. She's not enjoying it. And then things, it just keeps, and I always like those, the, those are my favorite kinds of characters in, in stories like this, like people who just have circumstances for Like Roy Scheider in Jaws. Right. They don't, they're the way in way of this, but they never give up. They're like, all right, I got I'll make it or I won't. <laughs> but that's, I just wanted to say that in praise of how she was, because it would have been very easy for her to be more, um, I don't know, conventionally heroic seeming or funnier. Like she doesn't try to like endear us to her sense of humor. Or, or more like, competent. She doesn't. Right, like, right. She has to be competent at this no. particular job. And uh, usually a star has to be. I mean, I love that moment right. where she has to pull out manuals and she has to go page by page by page to figure yeah. out what she's going to do. And she's got enough training that she can be calm enough to do that, but she's not trained enough that she knows exactly what to do. And that this star who's won an Academy Award is fine with appearing incompetent or yeah. not, not as competent. as It's a ballsy choice. I'm telling you, you guys, you should see the heat. There's a running gag where, where she's mistaken for a transvestite. <laughs> well, who among us? <laughs> 
but again, it's that same idea. There's it. It doesn't seem like she has this vanity about herself or her no. persona, uh, which I really appreciate. And there's and, cheesecake. You even get cheesecake. Oh, not even that. It's so good. Oh, you gosh, say you say cheesecake body. though. Good Lord, oh my. But God. I, I yeah. don't. Yeah, I don't know that it's. I mean, it, it's definitely like it's very sexy when she strips down. But I think of it more as this. Um, it, just the imagery of of, of sh- shedding skins and certainly yeah. just playing with this concept of rebirth. I mean, when she first is stripping out, it's this awesome. Oh, it's like Ripley's going to get naked. Awesome, I'm all for that. But it's then when she when she curls up in the fetal position and the hose is conspicuously floating like an umbilical cord, I'm like, oh, that's what we're doing here. Okay, I mean, yeah, she's hot. She's awfully toned. I'm I'm going to totally enjoy watching her float around in the space station. But I just I loved how they. They tricked us into seeing this awesome birth imagery there where yeah. she curled up to catch her breath. That was just such an amazing moment where I thought it was going to be cheesecake, but nope, to the contrary. It was in, in a crucial part of this message in the movie. The greatest trick of all. <laughs> Is making her think her body doesn't exist? Uh, it existed in my mind. What was the thematic stuff you are going to say? Well, uh, does this movie... Um, does it remind you of anything else that we Tree have of life seen? Okay, to expound on that, Kelly Wand. Same cinematographer, Oops. by the way. Is That's it? why we know his name. Okay, you were uh, right. It's Emmanuel Lubezki, yeah. Uh, I just meant that we're connected to the center of things, man. <laughs> that's what I'm I not sure that's the point I get. So uh, I'll, I'll just cut to the chase. So it, it reminded me... Um, you know, the concept of gravity is this idea of perseverance in the face of suffering, which which is kind of the ultimate man versus nature story, is that nature is going to screw with man, time's eventually going to destroy him, and, and you've just got to deal with it. And and, and watching gravity, I, I think I think of a couple of, of instances of this kind of story that would be proud of gravity. You know, the book of Job, Ernest Hemingway, and the movie The Gray would be proud <laughs> of, of gravity. God. It it presents this idea uh, that that humanity, um, you know, that that life on the planet exists in a narrow band, you know, between the sea and the sky, that it's always on a clock. Um, uh, There's this concept in astronomy of Goldilocks planets, where there's a band around a star that's not too cold and not too hot, where a planet that supports life can exist. And I continually got that sense from gravity. Gravity even opens with a title card talking about the hostility of space. Um, and it ends with, on the title card, that uh, life is impossible in space. Right. And it almost doesn't need that bit about in space because uh, the tension with, with Sandra Bullock's character, this idea that she suffered this grief – um, and that she's no longer feels the way about life that she did. That's this idea from the book of Job, where Job has suffered all of these terrible things that happened to him, and his friends just tell him, uh, curse God and die, which is the biblical equivalent of just saying, you know, fuck it, and, and rolling over and being done with it. And that's kind of where she is. And in the book of Job, through meeting God and being exposed to majesty and the, the natural order and all these glories, uh, Job eventually comes around. Uh, these days, we don't really have messages like that. Uh, in Gravity, uh, it's more about her, kind of like in the gray, just realizing that, that perseverance is the point. You know, I can't help but think of that poem that keeps going through Otway's head in, in the gray that his father wrote, that line about live and die on this day. Um, so, so that even in the face of certain death, 
she perseveres. And even at one point when she's going to turn off the oxygen, she has her little Clooney vision, whatever that represents, um, she, she snaps out of it. Um, so I, I just love how uh, this is, a, you know, gravity is the story of Sandra Bullock getting over grief and fear, both associated with death and, and, and deciding to just persevere. Uh, and that to me, by the way, is the story of life, maybe with a capital L on a larger scale organisms persevering beyond death and at the end of the movie when she emerges from the water it's clearly an analogy for life on this more cosmic scale i, I thought um so you know what in that sense very much like tree of life kelly Wong, right. which is also about you know how do you deal with the with the death of a child without questioning the cosmos um it's also an evolution snapback because now she's coming back out of the water well, and there's even, you know, there's a gratuitous shot of a frog, uh, you know, as, as if the frog is mocking her for saying, ha ha, I can live in two environments. Yeah. You can only live. What have you learned? <laughs> and she's but, like, ha ha, I can live in three. <laughs> uh, and, and I would think, Kelly Wan, you know, you weren't into the gray because you felt like you were deprived of fights with wolves. When you no, go to gravity, he, he wanted when, dances. Uh, when you go to see Gravity, Gravity is not stingy with the spectacle, and it's not too brooding or meditative. Uh, it's kind of like the gray, but when you go see Gravity, you get the exploding spaceships that you were promised. <laughs> so, well, yeah, and they also actually try to save each other, while as in the gray, they kind of accidentally kill each other a lot. Because they're being well, the gray, well, the gray is also a, a much more um, uh, kind of nihilistic message. I mean, they both are coming at the same idea. The, the gray is very much about letting some characters lie down and decide to die, and the gray dooms all of its characters. This is more of a mainstream and at times even a little Hollywoody, uh, uplifting story about affirmation. You know, the affirmative power of deciding not to die. Um, yeah, but you're, you're. I mean, she has no help. Well, except for Clooney. But still. Well, that's so. By the way, did either of you fall for the Clooney return? Because I certainly did. I, I'm the one who's too dumb to figure stuff out. Dingus, are you going to tell me that you knew that that was a, a, a hallucination? Uh, no, I, I totally fell for Aha. it. Actually, the the person sitting next to me uh, said um, that would that would have killed her, and then folded her arms like because so she, she fell for it too. She's a she scientist. And she was like pissed off. She's like that would have killed. Well, that's what I wondered. And, and, and when, when and, I saw that, I was like, so, well, wait a minute. And so when she reacted that way, I was like, oh god, why? Why? <laughs> and I, I kind of felt like, oh no, is this where we're going? We're going into some sort of like goofy. Is this what the direction we're going in? And then I, uh, they totally got me. Yeah, they got me as well. Kelly Wan, did you know that that was a hallucination? No, I'm a dumbass. Yeah, so it got me as well. So good. All right. I don't see that they they use my own low expectations of all the stupid movies that have ripped me off over there. Like, yeah, here we go. Here comes the stupid bullshit, and then. So then, how do you guys feel about that? This idea that the the movie is basically Sandra Bullock left to her own left to her own devices to save herself, and you know, does George Clooney come along and rescue her? Uh, what? How did you feel about this idea that? About that turnaround moment. It's like a benevolent, shining Lloyd the bartender. <laughs> Very nice. Good. But okay. also inside her head and not a haunted hotel. I, I Other than that, exactly. That. I mean, the, I, I have no problem with us playing with the CO2 or whatever. It's open to interpretation. Uh, I, I, you know, you can sort of match it up to her earlier uh, 
you know, when she's going through the uh, the CO2 problem earlier, why she can do all the things she can do when she's outside of the ship, and then so quickly she goes into the hallucination, whatever. I I have no problem. I, I have no problem with any of those leaps. That, you know, I've got a couple of small problems with this movie, but that certainly is not one of them. I, I am I, I am I am happy happy to go along with a hallucination like that as as something coming from her mind to trigger. Okay, hey, come on, wake up. You got to do this. Wake up. He doesn't so, tell her things she wouldn't know, though. No, well, see, I just so here's where I feel that it earned that hallucination, and it wasn't just a convenient turnaround. He had given her this speech earlier yeah. about you know you've got he had pl- he had sort of incepted her with these right. ideas that you have to move on, and he's doing it to to encourage her along at that moment when he does save her, and when he is gone and she is dying, I'm okay with the seed that he has planted in her head. <laughs> it you is know, this, deception. You're right. Yeah, he his and and at that point it kind of flowers and it manifests itself. She remembered him telling her this stuff. She remembered him talking about her training, and she remembered in that training, you know that oh there's also you can use the other the landing thrusters. And he even says at one point, you know, landing is launching. There's like I feel like the movie had planted enough seeds in her head and we'd seen that happen that it's plausible for her to manifest remembering these things as a George Clooney hallucination. Absolutely. I, I don't think it's even close to a cheat. I have no problem no. whatsoever. And sure tapping into like what would he do if he was here? He'd go, right. hey, quit being a pussy. Da, 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 da. And what I also loved about that, it was so nice to see George Clooney out of his helmet. You know, just sitting there getting to talk <laughs> to her, sitting, you know, the two actors together. I talked about in Pacific Rim, you know, if there are two actors in a cockpit, let's let us see them interacting if they're supposed to be working together. And it was just such a relief after they'd been floating in space and separate from each other to just see them sitting next to each other chatting. And it was all kind of this this hallucination. It's just like what she imagined it would be like. Uh, It was just so charming. Do you think he's handsome? (laughs) In that light. Well, it's a justified story beat, too. It wasn't just a deus ex machina. Right. It it was like you said, it was earned. Yeah. I had no problems with this movie. And even things like that that I had to think about and go, wait, was the Clooney thing stupid? No, I guess it wasn't. Like, I eventually decided I didn't mind. So I was curious what Dingus's gripe. Yeah, Dingus. So yeah, what, uh, let's let's do some nitpicking here briefly. Um, you know, I love, uh, and I I know Tom is going to uh, agree with me beyond what I'm going to say. I love the music in this movie. Um, but it is though. Would you agree? I mean, I I wouldn't. I'm a little surprised that you like it, Dingus, because I thought at times it was a little um, bombastic and sort of riding roughshod over some of the actors. Well, I thought you might think that. I enjoyed it, but I, I was sitting there watching it, thinking, oh, "I bet Dingus might think the music's a little too much." Well, that that is what I was going to say, especially because, um, you know, there's that moment early on where he's talking about the view when she's doing her work and he says, what do you <laughs> like most? And she says, silence. And the next moment is a, is a music cue that made my ears bleed. I mean, yeah. I, I don't understand a movie that values silence so much and opens with title, like title script about how sound cannot carry in space and is so freaking loud. I mean, I love the Atmos sound system. I really do love the soundtrack, but I don't understand why there's so much freaking sound in this movie, especially music, especially at a moment where the character says, my favorite thing is silence, and then it's a huge music cue. And I just think that, I think they could have used a lighter touch and an understanding of, 
of how can we play with silence in this movie. There's this moment where she's in inside the escape capsule and she's screaming obscenities. And then we go to the outside of the, yeah. the yeah. capsule and we can sort of hear them faintly. How about just giving us a, a just a moment of fucking silence? My guess this, mo- <laughs> this movie is so afraid to give us silence. And, and, and that almost... I mean, I love it. I love this movie. But it is so afraid of silent moments. And I don't understand a movie about space and this the movie that that plays with these themes and this environment not giving us a moment of silence i don't get it i'm guessing that someone somewhere was terrified of anything remotely art house in this movie and that quaron probably had to fight for the opening sequence how it it's quite how how they take their time sort of coming into view for the audience uh, i'm guessing that that might be a battle that he had to fight for and he couldn't get much more that's well, just what, my guess one of the things i love love about this movie visually is is there are there so many moments where you have to find them in the frame where you have to discover where okay oh that's where they are they're there in the frame i love that um but it, to that point tom i mean what they had they had started on was this short that that um that the son Jonas had written called desierto i think uh that was this small indie short and they couldn't get it made they were trying to make a small movie for just a little bit of money and they couldn't do it based and on this premise so, you mean yeah kind of based on this ah. premise and and Quran and Alfonso Quran said, "Okay, fine. I'm done making indie films. Let's just make a big studio film." I can't imagine <laughs> a director who has that kind of juice just going, "Yeah, we're not going to make an indie film. It's too hard. Let's make a huge studio film." Okay, we're going to do that. Let's make it. <laughs> let's make it as big as possible. A hundred million dollars. Let's go for it. And that's what they did. So I I don't know that that he had to fight for those things. And I, I don't know why they don't. Give us more silence. I mean, I love the music, but it's just so loud at a moment where somebody says, my favorite thing about this is the silence. See, I didn't mind the music so much. I was mainly thinking, I bet Dingus doesn't like this. But uh, what I loved, I was okay with the music because it, it did something that is very valuable for me, and that is it didn't feel like another soundtrack. And specifically, I'm thinking... One of the last times I ran into this was what Hans Zimmer did for the Dark Knight soundtrack, and it had that iconic sort of drill-like sound that went with the Joker that now everybody's imitating. It had that thrumming thing. Um, They do something in this music, and the guy's name, dadgummit, Dingus, did you look it up? Stephen Price? Pierce? Uh, I'm sorry, I don't have it at my fingertips. Uh, But anyway, the guy who composed this, he has this distinct... It's like a pulse or a thrum under. It's it's this unique yeah. musical signature that that almost sounds like something being played backwards that tends to accompany the debris or yeah. and it, it's really unnerving and it it comes up through whatever else he's doing musically and it just felt unique and I love that in a soundtrack. Um, it reminded me of the monolith mode or note a lot. Ah, as one like it just represented the unknown and like. Let's like what she's hearing in her head, like the cosmic right. voice. Well, and certainly, even though even though I can understand your complaint, Nigus, I mean, the sound in this was just so freaking amazing on it so is an many incredible levels. Incredible sound design. I just don't understand. I honestly don't understand why they didn't mess around with silence more. I, I, I love. I mean, I'm okay. With, I like what they did mess around with the idea of what you hear and where you are when you hear it, and yeah. the camera's physical presence. You know, when the muffled thump when something is being banged on when you're inside a character's helmet. I loved hearing that. So much of the sound reminded me of what it sounds like when you're scuba diving and you just hear your breathing and you're conscious of your heartbeat. Um, 
Well, it's I thought that of the visuals, sweet. too. I mean, that, the way they cut off her peripherals, and, and there's a couple of point-of-view shots where I got yeah. this feeling of, oh, my gosh, she can't, you can't... That, that idea of looking around a mask that you can't see. Uh, I love that aspect of it, and I love the placement of the sound, but I don't understand why you have that title stuff at the beginning about how sound doesn't carry, and then you do nothing with it. I don't get that. I mean, they they, ha- they they make a point before li- life is impossible in space of saying how sound cannot carry. Well, they and then do, they play do with nothing that. with that. What the what, what is I, that? I disagree. I mean, they they sound when they have all those debris, you know, yeah. shooting past from shredding. You don't. You're not hearing explosions. Yeah. They definitely play. I think. I, well, I good, get your but you're hearing a, a soundtrack jamming into your brain instead. I mean, if you're going to do that, then let us hear nothing. That's fine. Well, it works for me. Like I, I didn't, right. I didn't find that so much. I, I mean, this is a nitpick because I, because if I okay, could well then you guys, address, well you guys address my nitpick then because I have a big one. All right, good. Actually, it's not a big. Well, it's, it's. A I feel like one? that. I, I, I really. It's a yeah. Well, as far as nitpicks go, I mm. don't feel that they earned their Clooney kill. Uh, because of the rope. Because he had a long time to go. Okay, I gotta go. Like, was it because it was too? No, no, I was okay with that. Like, I was like, well, she, she's that. That thing looks like it's gonna hold her for a while. Like, yeah. what? He's, he's. I, like, I loved them killing him, but I sell it better. I didn't feel that they sold the necessity of it. It's a big deal to let George Clooney get killed, and she played that certainly. But I don't feel they sold the circumstance of it well enough. Uh, well, I think for the salu- for the hallucination to work, maybe they needed to make it a little. Like, but that, really ver- that very moment, and I think I felt the same way as Tom, but I think I justified it because I don't understand the physics of, <laughs> of, of parachute cords. No, it's not, it's not just that. It's the physics of, of what the drag he is – because the moment that it works for me and I didn't like it until then, I'm just like, why doesn't he hand over hand up that cord right. and just work it out? But as, yeah. soon, as, he, as soon as he unlatches, she – rubber bands back and what what i don't understand and what i love about this movie is sort of get that getting that feeling of of grabbing things and losing them and 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 how much like running into things and how, what speed is like in space is yeah. that is that the the momentum that he has already produced is the problem and that is constant and until he lets go, that is going to unravel that cord. And and if he continues to pull up, that's what's going to happen. And when he lets go, it's it's not that just that she's still left drifting in space; it's that she rubber bands back to the ship because of the momentum that's still. I don't know if that's the right word, pulling him away. But I agree with you, Tom. Is that I don't think they set that up enough for for people like us. It did kind of sound like I got the high ground, Anakin. And here's what's going to happen now. Like, he's really, he seems to have an exact, like, it's going to be you snap back and I die or nothing. Or we both die it, it, after it I'm done like, talking. I'm going to let go now. You, no, you, you don't have to do that. I'm right here. So, you know, we can come No, you here. don't get the choice. No. Like, he could just let go instead of saying all that shit and go, I'll explain later. You'll understand. There, see, now you're romantic. Uh, let me ask you about another nitpicky thing. How did, you, how did you feel about the moment? So uh, in Children of Men, uh, during the battle scene at the end, there's this idea that he's he's cashing in on uh, wartime newsreel footage or documentaries that we've seen. You know, the camera's low to the ground. It's almost like the cameraman is keeping his head down from the, the, the firefight. And at one point, blood splatters on the camera lens. Um, and that, you know, that's okay because he's, he's wanting us to relate it to wartime footage that we've seen. There's a point in 
gravity when water splatters on the camera lens. Oh, God, I can't How stand that. How did you that. feel about that? Okay, so you didn't like that thing? <sighs> There's two points where that happens, huh? and I don't understand why people do that. Just as, as I, I've never understood lens flare and why people are so nuts about it. I, I can't stand that. Why well, did it, you do that? Well, it recalls documentary realism in Children of Men, so I understood there. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you here. I'm not quite sure. But but why here, he there's there's here. no there's no found footage. There's no documentary realism. We're just following her right. through the ship, and then we decide to splatter a, a drop on the lens and then run it off to the side because we can. Or at the end when she can, I, I don't like that. I don't. Well, I, I can't this is a, stand that. And this is a camera that's been ghosting in and out of her. Uh, her her astronaut suit as well. Uh, so, you know, early on it sets it up as this 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 presence that's drifting in space along with them, but to then create a physical thing on the lens. I yeah, I'm with you there. I I feel like he did it because it was cool in Children of Men. Uh, no, it's I think here, it's I just think. a cinematographer or an editor showing off. It's just showing off, and I never. Nah, it's a, it's a car on touch. I mean, I think it's definitely a direct, an intentional well, directorial thing. Well, no, it's it's the same thing as lens flare. I don't understand why they do it. I mean, you're just letting us know, hey, we're watching a camera. Why are you doing that? Well, it's manufactured. I, I mean, it's not because water actually got on a camera. Uh, it's clearly right. it's just like the blood in, in Children of Men. I mean, it's clearly something. He was like, let's have water on the, on the lens. But, um, but what, is the, what is the purpose of it? What is his purpose? Other than well, let's go to Alfonso Cuaron, who's on the line now. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that moment where you see her tear float off. That's awesome. And the blood, you know, when she gets uh, wounded, like, uh, I, yeah, all, yeah. Um, but, oh man, I don't, under, I don't understand why filmmakers do that. It makes me so angry at them. Uh, I love Dingus that you pointed out that it was originally a, a short because I definitely got the sense from it, and I'm glad. I mean, there's a good three act structure going on here. Don't get me wrong. But it felt like, because there were so few characters, because it was so focused on a specific kind of situation, I mean, there's just so much, you know, there's three abandoned spacecraft that you have to go through, and there's a lot of floating in space. It's very focused on a specific type of sensation. It really did feel like a short story, cinematically, like the cinematic equivalent of a short story. But it also had so much of what I would consider the cinematic equivalent of, of poetry, by in this fairly focused situation with only these two people, it had these amazing, it managed these amazing juxtapositions of poetic elements like heat and cold or stillness and speed, isolation and connection, certainly the birth and death. And then at the end, you know, fire and water for, for something that felt like such a short story. There was so much juxt- there's so many juxtaposing poetic elements uh, and I, I admire so much that they got that in there. Chicks all the time tell me a little silence would be nice. One, two, three, love on me, <laughs> like me. when I'm caught in between. Counting. One, two, three, beat upon It's a good time we got that. Like, Quaron-esque timing on the. Uh... I just want to say, you know, I, I can't engage my thrust with you two yo-yoing around. <sighs> okay, I'm gonna grab him like he's my Valentine. What? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Kelly, why did you see the same movie we did? <laughs> uh, I also wish they would have been alone more. But what can I tell you? Who, me and Tom? Yep. 
We all wish that. Uh, Kelly Wan, would one of the characters in uh, Gravity have qualified for this week's 3x3? Three three? Uh, that's actually my number three, so thanks for ruining it. <laughs> Is it really? Are we allowed to do that? Is use the movie we've seen on a given week for the 3x3? Three three? It was ordered out as a rule. That's a good point. All right, good. good Besides, good. it really was the third best one I've ever seen. Well, what is this topic, Kelly? Why don't you introduce it for folks who may not know? Ladies and gentlemen of the Internet, I present to this week's 3x3 topic for movie podcastings. Three best head injuries in a film or motion picture. Winners are... I might add that there were a lot of listener submissions. Well, good, because I I did something a little different with this, Kelly Wanda. I hope you won't mind. (laughs) I probably will. Uh, my, uh, I'm doing next week's three by three, so I'll start us out. Can I just read all three of mine? No! You've tried to do this before. What did I tell you last time? Well, they're all three from the same movie. What? What? All right, never mind. Here's what I was going to (laughs) do. You already ruined it. (laughs) My number three was going to be when C-3PO is on Chewbacca's back, and and Chewbacca turns and hits C-3PO's head on the, the wall. My number two. <laughs> if you're gonna, just, uh, oh God, really? My number two was going to be. Uh, Hang on, with, I better write all these down. Uh, well, no, I got different ones. My number two is going to be when the stormtrooper hits his head coming through the door in Star Wars, and my number one is going to be when C-3PO bonks R2D2 on the top of the head when he's not happy about stuff that R2D2 is saying to Luke. Those are going to be my top three head injuries. Okay, an injury implies damage done to the head. Okay, then replace, the, replace my number one with when R2's in the X-Wing at the back of the battle for Yavin 4, and a TIE fighter hits him, and he takes damage. That one's acceptable. <laughs> Any of my circuits can be used to help you. I'll gladly <laughs> donate. No, but literally my number one. So I didn't go. There's all kinds of great things you can do with this, and I presume we'll get some of these either from you guys or maybe the listeners. There's all kinds of great things you can do with like cool horror movie stuff. I went the opposite with things that are not major. Or cool. Um, so, no, or cool. Well, actually, one of them's totally cool. So, my number three really is because I watched it just for fun. I was thinking, what can I pick? I called it up on YouTube. Man, I just giggle, like seriously giggle when I see that stormtrooper in Star Wars. So, my number three really is the stormtrooper banging his head. <laughs> he doesn't even know. He can't see. He doesn't know that he's not going to clear yeah, the door. Dumb, it's awesome. It is totally awesome. just Kelly wanted us. What do you mean? No, my I mean, others. You chose three things, and then you looped around and chose one of them, and now we can't have any of them. <laughs> None of you guys. That's why we those. can't have nice Star Wars things. None of you guys. And that's the one he picked too. That's not even from the movie. No, I have it's that not. on my. I have that on my runners-up list. But he just Kelly oh. wanted us. It's so, totally on the in the. This movie. is my number three, but I'm going to give you two others before I give you my number three. Then I'm going to take all these off. Then I'm going to put one of them on, and it's going to be the, the fake one. <laughs> it's not a fake one. What are you talking about? Are we playing? It's not a real stormtrooper. He's an actor, and it's not his head. <laughs> but it is in the movie. That's in the final cut. <laughs> I thought it was in like the outtakes. No, no. That's for our three by three helmet injuries. It's Lucas's version of the water droplet on the lens. He's reminding you that there's men inside those. Seats. Wait, actually, so I have a serious question: is the is the stormtrooper whacking his head not really in the movie? Yes, it's in the movie. What are oh, you talking okay. about? Um, well, Kelly Wan was trying to say it was in the outtakes. I thought I, that was going to that was going to be more shattering to but, me than. But those than are robots. Those aren't people. Those are robots. No, they're clones, bro. <laughs> bro, they're clones, bro. <laughs> Bro Wound Wars. All right, well, Dingus, what is your number three? Wait, we gotta, you got to explain oh. why it's special to you. It's like, I did, because I, I giggle a lot. I think it's really funny. It's awesome. Right, let me write this down. Tom thinks it's funny when a man... No, he doesn't. It's not just By the way, 
It's awesome because what's awesome is, you know, having an eight-year-old who watches Star Wars for the first time and getting to tell his friends, hey, watch this, and having them go, whoa, it's so freaking great. Tom's like an eight-year-old. That's what he's basically saying. Anybody who watches Star Wars is like an eight-year-old. That's what. It By the was. way, that actor, he was a stuntman, you know. and he died from that injury. So you <laughs> dick, an asshole, and his family. Uh, I can't wait for your, your short about that. <laughs> All right, Diggis, so what is your number three favorite head injury? All right, here's a, here's a little bit of dialogue from it. <laughs> Thanks for helping, by the way. Hey, you seem to have a handle on it. Oh, wait. You've seen this, uh, Sharni Vincent, Kelly Wan. Think of Sharni Vincent. Uh, yeah. Wait, there's I, there's so many head injuries in that movie. Yeah, which one thing is? <laughs> I'm talking specifically, I think she's using a meat tenderizer at this point. I don't think you get to see it, or do you? I can't remember. Maybe you do, actually. Not really. No, I don't think you do. See, then it doesn't count. Okay, okay. fine. <laughs> you got to know what happens. You don't even know that she hit his head. That's true. She could have been putting his shoe on a horse. Tom, you gotta let him, me take that from him in front of you. Well, it's no irreversible. I'll give you that. Uh, you guys are irreversible. That movie comes up every week now. Yeah, yeah it's gonna come <laughs> up in a minute. Thanks, Tom. Can't enjoy it because there's a rape in it. Uh, Thanks. Uh, all right, so uh, so Dingus, you're next. Obviously, is your your number three pick for a head injury? Yep. Uh, what makes that one stand out for you? The circumstances. Well, I just love the the whole the way she just goes at it, and I think it is a meat tenderizer, isn't it? She's not stabbing him or hitting him with a hammer. I think it's it is survivalist a skill to just club something in the head repeatedly. No, but she, but I love that that she picks a variety of things that she's going to use, and I think that's the one she uses on that particular guy, the first guy she takes out. Um, uh, when she has that bit of before she has that bit of dialogue of, of like you know thanks for helping by the way and I think it is a meat tenderizer it and it just seems like such a dopey weapon to use and she just goes to town and just this is the first time you really see this this ferociousness in her where she just keeps going at this guy and tenderizer yeah I bet you will huh. but I really I just I just love that and you do see you do see some of it and and of course you see the payoff later on when the when well i'm not gonna yeah i'm not gonna spoil it but you get a payoff later on for it as well but i just love the way she takes him out with a meat tenderizer and that head injury man there you go kelly Wand, is it is it an injury when it's also a fatality uh it's a don't spoil the meat tenderizer <laughs> that's what you got okay <laughs> we'll take that that kind of that answers your question. I think. All right, I'll take that now. Uh, Kelly, one, what is your number three pick for a favorite head injury in a movie? Gravity. Ah, Gravity. right, we did find out. Right, okay. Spoiler, but good. I know, but it's too good. It's one of my favorite head injuries ever. By anyway, chance. first of all, well, I, you know what? If you're listening at this point and you haven't seen Gravity yet, what's your deal? I know, Seriously, yeah, come on. I know there's a head injury in it, but it's in space. Space is pretty head injury heavy. Well, uh, I won't say anything because it might be someone Oh, wait. Else. Do you guys know Ed Harris was the voice of NASA? Totally. Please. What? <laughs> Who? What are you talking about? I love when people are like, oh, and look for the Ed Harris cameo. I didn't know. <laughs> you mean mm-hmm. the guy talking with the unmistakable voice for the first 20 minutes? Yeah, okay. All right. I see how it is. Pick on Kelly Week. <laughs> and Tom Hanks was a lot of the debris. Hey! Uh, my number two pick... Uh, is again, it's not serious because she recovers; oh, she's just yes. fine. But I really like because you rarely see this in a movie. Uh, 
I really like in the third Alien how Ripley, uh, when she when she's rescued, one of her eyes is all bloodshot from having been injured. Uh, <laughs> why are you laughing at that? That's not funny. The Star Wars one is funny, Kelly Wand. This one is not a joke. Serious. In Alien Three, you don't yeah. normally you don't have actors wanting to have all bloodshot eyes. So as she's healing because her head has been injured in the pod crash or whatever, I forget how she gets there. Uh, her eye is all bloodshot, so I just I liked that David Fincher did that in the third Alien movie. That's not a head injury. Well, wait a minute. Oh, what what is that? It's an eye disorder. It's neither because an her head got whacked so hard it made her eye bloodshot. She oh, yeah, head no, she got hit in the eye with the face hugger. And she blocked it. <laughs> That's not what the face huggers go for. Kelly and Mo. John John Hurt had a mouth injury. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dingus, give us a line from your number two pick for a favorite head injury. Uh, the future's not set. All right. Good. All right. Now, my number Did you travel across time to bring us that one, Dingus? I did. So, it's uh, the moment in Terminator 2 where Sarah Connor whacks uh, the... uh, Wait, what? No, it's in... I thought you were doing the the one from Terminator 1. Terminator 2? No, it is Terminator 1. Where she whacks him in the head with a girder. Sarah whacks Terminator. Girder? A girder? Do you know what a girder is, Dingus? It's what women wear around their waist to (laughs) make themselves shapelier. Wait, I'm still not sure which one Dingus is. I thought you meant where he has to, like, fix his his eye and put on the Oakleys or whatever. Like the the famous scene in the mirror with the half... Grass whorl. No, she, 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 like, swings this this huge metal girder and just whacks his head so hard that it whacks to the side. A huge metal girder. Dingus, I don't... Is a girder what I say? Kelly Wan, do we not know what a girder is then? It's the thing. It's like the thing you stand on if you're a construction worker. Right. The, you you know. make skyscrapers out of it. Sarah yeah. Connor is tough, but I don't think she can swing girders. She, she can swing girders, I'm telling you. You know what? You're right. She is pretty buff in that movie. Especially the second one. She could swing a girder in Terminator 2, Dingus. I'll grant you that. I don't know about Terminator 1. It might be more like rebar that she's swinging. Actually, it might be Terminator 1 that I'm thinking of. I was going to go with Irreversible, but you. Uh, Once again, a fatality, not an injury. Uh, (laughs) I hate to tell you this, injuries injuries lead to fatalities. I'm sorry to have to... Well, no, but once it becomes a fatality, it's no longer an injury, it's a fatality. Fatality is a phase three injury. Only if the number one is in it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to go with uh, her knocking his head to the side with a girder. Knocking head to side with... first Terminator. Terminator 1. Yeah, good girder. Just say girder or giant metal thing. Kelly, yeah, just write rebar in there. I've worked construction before. It's called rebar. <laughs> I've worked construction before. Huh. Kelly, one take dictation. Watson, I've dropped my rivets. No one knows what you're talking about, Kelly. One. So instead, uh, <laughs> Kelly, one, why don't you give us your number two pick for a favorite head injury? Instead of something that they won't understand. Uh, my number two. Yes. Wait, what is it? Two. You no, know your number three. Yes, number two. <laughs> This one's a good one. Uh-huh. I'm going to do a quote from it. Good. Ein spy dry. You know what that is? It's four in German. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Am I wrong? Oh, three. Sorry, three in German. That's is this me carving in somebody's face? No. You're barking up the wrong tree. But Tom, it's. I said three words. <laughs> Which is the one you're saying is three? Ein, zwei, drei. It's one, two, three. Oh, right. 
Yeah, well, okay. So it's all three of those. No. So uh, one, two, three in German. I don't know. I don't think I've uh, Fritz Lang's M. Ah, oh, you've seen this. It's a good one. You'll be you'll feel dumb that you didn't get guess this. That's how good it is. Oh, well, all you're saying is you're counting to three in German. That doesn't do me any good. Right. I don't know. English what. subtitle. Right. A German guy playing right. Spanish conquistador. Princess Bride. Oh, I hate you. The Fountain. Oh, what? Uh, oh wait, conquistador. Disregard <laughs> the last two sound effects. You're normal. You're okay. Tom's still in trouble. Okay, wait. So obviously it's something from a Werner Herzog movie with Klaus Kinski. <gasps> yeah, which kind of narrows it down, doesn't okay. it? Um, uh, uh, Herzog or no, uh, not Herzog. Uh, the uh, the the conquistador one, the monkeys at the end. What the heck is that? Uh, uh, Aguera, the Wrath of God. The Cask of yes. Montiano. God, you don't remember the head injury in that? I haven't seen that in many years. No, say it like Obi Wan. I remember the end of it. Uh, okay, I'm doing a non-fake physical gesture, Kelly Wand, right now. I haven't heard that Aguera, the Wrath of God movie line in quite some time. Wait, uh, Kelly Wand, that was good. And by the way, I just want to say Dingus does uh, an awesome. Uh, what was the impression you did sound. earlier tonight, Dingus? That you remember. wouldn't do for us. Oh, he was trying to. He was going to be Matthew. McCon- oh no, no, he was doing an awesome Matthew McConaughey, Dingus. And you said it had to be organic. So is it organic if I say, "Hey, Dingus, do your Matthew McConaughey impression"? <laughs> Stripper, <laughs> y'all. It's just going to have to say. It's just going to have to happen, like any of my others, like Adam Sandler and. Uh, was that I what he did? All right, McConaughey. All right. Anyway, a guy gets so his someone, head. Yeah, cut off go ahead. Right. With sword, and then even after he gets his head cut off, <laughs> still counting to three. Not an injury. It's a fatality. Oh. Injuries? Oh, God. I believe this is happening. Wait a minute. All mine are fatalities. And none so, of yours are head injuries. So but nobody died in mine. None all of right. mine are fatal. Wait, wait. Do you predict... Mine are all low-grade headaches. The reader submissions won't have a single fatality in any of No, the readers shows. will not understand the topic either. <laughs> I can't. All right, are you ready for my number one? Here you go. My number one. I'll give you a quote. Ready for this? I like when you hate the topic. It's better. Here you go. Here's my number one favorite head injury. Stupider ones as we continue. Here, this one. I'm going to give you the quote. Ready? Okay. You hit me in the ear. Ah, jeez. It's another David Fincher movie. If you're having your blood, you hit me in the ear. Uh, It's in Fight Club when uh, Edward Norton finally punches Tyler Durden. Tyler Durden's like, hit me. Come on, hit me. How so that's really him saying that to himself. <laughs> yep. He hits himself in the ear and goes, I hit myself in the ear. That's yeah. what he's really saying in the parking lot. Well, if somebody had walked out and seen it at that moment. And then everyone goes, hey, look, that guy hit himself in the ear. Let's follow him and have mass blow up the skyscraper. And the space monkeys were born. Spoiler. And Stormtrooper. <laughs> But I love that moment. I watched that on YouTube, too. Brad Pitt's just so playful in, in that, that moment out there. That's pretty funny. Uh, Tom, if you could uh, fight anybody, who would you fight? Abraham Lincoln. Hmm. <laughs> uh, okay, so, Dingus, give us a quote from your number one pick for a head injury that is not a fatality. <laughs> I'd fight that blonde guy. That's a caveat, but um, this one isn't a fatality when you see it. Uh, here you go. How do you fuck that up? How do you fuck that up? That sounds pretty familiar. Oh, I know this one. uh, Pulp Fiction? What is it? Amy Smart in Mirrors. Uh, Here's here's another quote (laughs) that actually relates to this one. I like Tom. 
I like Tom. I like Tom. 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 Vegas, I got a chant out of that. <laughs> so oh, good because you're going to hear it again. These men, they were going to kill us. They were going to kill us. Now Tom, he's a hero. Yeah, but what's your quote? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so is, is it from um, the Miller's Crossing? I'm trying to think of movies with a character named Tom. Is it Meet the Miller's Crossing? <laughs> we're the Miller's Crossing. Oh, damn it. Meet, we're the Morgan's Crossing. Uh, that is an earnest guesting. It's, there's a character named Tom. He's never going to kill us. But is it not Miller's Crossing? No, it's, it's not. Um, the, the character's name is Tom Stahl. It, the movie is a history. Oh, of I know what it is. Damn it. I got it, but it, oh, and is it a, is it a head injury involving a coffee pot? It's a head injury involving a coffee pot and a shot to the head, and the character is still alive in the last shot. So, uh, so Tom Stahl hits psycho the psycho number one in the head with a coffee pot. Then he leaps over the counter, grabs psycho number one's gun, and shoots his psycho partner, psycho number two. Then gets stabbed in the foot by psycho number one and shoots psycho number one with his own gun in the head. Then turns his gun tethered to the to the knife in the foot to make sure that psycho number two is still dead. And then turns back and looks down, and you see how the bullet has gone through the head and exited the jaw, and the coffee pot, you know, of course has shattered over the guy's face and you see the shattered jaw as the guy's still breathing there on the floor and i just love that head injury because it's just in a movie where i you know because of what's gone on in that diner scene and the way it's structured and the tone of it um even given the way the movie opens you don't see that you're going to see that kind of thing happen in this movie or at least i didn't and well it's a it's really a signature stuck. it's a signature david cronenberg effect like it's the same kind of thing like when the fly and the telepod with jeff goldblum and the telepod just that weird grotesque body dysmorphia of you know what if an injury was really gross what it, what would it look like right uh, yeah and so the guy, uh, the guy's still there on the floor and he's still he's still alive he's still sort of breathing through this sort of weird jaw flap thing and it's just I love that injury so much people used to just walk around like that too like in the 1700s just go before jaws were invented yeah <laughs> um dingus or Kelly Warren do you think maybe dingus is ready for some stiffer horror uh what are you trying to imply about him know, a little martyrs action or something oh yeah I have more hope I mean, he's calling out stuff like he's wanting to talk about stuff like irreversible, that that grotesque David Cronenberg gore in the history of violence. It might be time to start giving him some of the stronger stuff. I think our little dingus is growing up a little faster than you might be willing to admit when you look in the mirror in the morning. You should print the word dignity on it. (laughs) That's that's, all those those letters make up dingus. Uh, All right. Kelly one. What then is your favorite uh, head injury in a movie? It's not result in a fatality. So sorry, uh, scanners. I think the guy dies in scanners. Uh, all right, C-3PO uh, getting <laughs> his head dragged and then saying what a drag. Turn around, you woolly. That's my... Uh... Scanners is a pretty famous head injury. I didn't know if we'd get through... We certainly won't get through the reader submissions without someone bringing up scanners. You hear that, readers? Tom condemns you. <laughs> all right, let's hear what they've got, Kelly Wand. How many scanners do you predict... Two. Three, including yours. <laughs> Eins, zwei, drei. There's a million entries. This was the most popular topic I've ever introduced. What do you think about that, Tom? Stormtrooper. It's even more popular than uh, favorite old ladies from movies. And fat kids. <laughs> Jeff Sweet writes, one word, scanners. <laughs> <laughs> 
Which, by the way, I had not read until that moment. So. That's worth ten, by the way. Yeah. Paul Weimer, Captain of the Antonia Graza. The fuck's that? Some grandpa movie, I imagine. I'm guessing it was made in 1949. Paul Weimer is a really weird zone, because he, yeah. he takes a lot of low-hanging fruit, and he knows the really arcane things, too. I love that about him. Yeah, yeah I do, too. Gets horrifically killed by a snapping cable, splitting his head apart at mouth level. In the opening sequence in Ghost Ship, see, see what happened there was, oh. I thought the title of the movie <laughs> was Captain of the Antonia Graza, but it's actually... It was like the wreck of the Edmund. He capitalized the word captain. That threw me off. Damn you, Paul Weimer. He's naming the head injuries by the person. Awesome. Yeah, he's specifying the he's head. Not, that everyone remembers the captain. <laughs> he made, mentions the guy's rank and the ship's name. Because I'm sure a lot of people are decapitated on that ship. You know, the captain. Yeah, I know. The whole ship gets everyone on board gets decapitated, but that captain, the yeah. captain of the Antonia Graza, is the one I remember. Oh well, yeah, it's head head apart of mouth level. It's true. That's a good point. Touche. Jackie Boy, Benicio Del Toro, I almost thought of this one, then I stopped thinking. In Sin City, has his jammed gun backfire, launching a piece of the gun back for <laughs> That was a good one. Doesn't he do a bunch of stupid shit before that? That's yeah, so hilarious. The, the movie I don't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the sin is gun safety. Bellox, Paul Freeman. He didn't mention the, the guy who played the captain's actor's name. Bellox, Paul Freeman, head goes kaboom at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. The melting faces of the Nazis gathered around him are all so well done. Yeah, that's the thing. It kind of ruined Bellox's head. Blowing Not an heads. injury, fatality, but okay. Because the, the guy's other head melts. The hangar Nazi, and then when Bellox's head blows up. How do you feel about the phrase, succumbed to his injuries? Then they're no longer injuries. They're beyond injuries. They've be, they've they've transitioned Dingus from injuries to causes of death, and they're no longer wounds either. Correct. Sorry. Good news. Wound to corpse. Yeah. Ah, so so true. On Walking Dead. Good news, ma'am. He hasn't succumbed yet. Emmett Coffin writes. I'm not sure if I interpreted the question right. Obviously, a plant by Tom's. <laughs> You and me both, Emmett. I hear you, brother. <laughs> all quiet on the Western Front. Is it all quiet or all's quiet? Oh. All are quiet. The Germans are in the trenches and a bomb drops. Hmm. Sounds pretty historical. One guy gets hit in the head and goes crazy because he's gone blind. <laughs> but in layman's terms, what's hap- what happens? His friends fighting alongside him are horrified. Also, Kelly Wan's convinced me to see this great movie, so thanks. Really? I mean, you're welcome. No Country for Old Men. Shigur pulls a man over to get in his car. Asks him to get oh, out. that's a good one. Yeah, I like that. Asks the man to hold still. Yeah, that is a good one. Not an injury, though? A fatality? So so the injury would be like in Black Hawk Down when what's-his-name gets shot near the ear and he can't yeah. hear anymore? Is that a head injury? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, Jack Good Nicholson times. in Chinatown, head injury. <laughs> Jesus. What Roman Polanski does to him. That's his head, and nose is part of a head dingus. So what the Joker's father, stepfather does to him, or whatever, that's a head injury? Did he ever tell you how he got those wounds? Those scars? No, he never did. <laughs> uh, dingus, stick with the McConaughey impression. <laughs> All right, I will. By the way, uh, 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 Matthew McConaughey in Mud 
pulling hair out of his head to make fishing flies type of injury. Mm, that's a, yeah, that is a low-grade injury. I agree. Oh, uh, no spoilers. Uh, well, I was hoping, Kelly, I was hoping it would lead to Dingus organically being able to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is my hair, y'all. Dingus, are you gonna let that stand? That was me. Podcast Matthew McConaughey impression. Boy, Dingus, that was a terrible impression. <laughs> Sorry, I done better than that. You stick. All right, so go on. What does Emmett Coffin have more? The Godfather. The guy wakes up in bed to see his poor horse has a head injury. An injury? Jeez. <laughs> oh, see, so you guys see what you've done. If you you have to support that pick, if they had you to put believe, it down. That's right. And, and then Mo Green, of course, has a head injury to his eye. Yeah, and Fredo in the boat gets a head injury. <laughs> And the guy, remember in Godfather 3, the guy who gets stabbed with his eyeglass? I was thinking this week as I went through this, is, did Kelly Mon specify fatalities? I don't think he did. Oh, it's Kelly's topic. Never mind. <laughs> Peter Haynes. Heidi, hi, campers. It's Dingus's British Tyler Durden here. I had Vinnie Jones slam my head in a car door a few times to get in the mood for this week's 3x3, three three, and this is what I came up with. Number three, the uppity soon-to-be Sheriff Bart takes a shovel and puts good use around Slim Pickens' noggin in blazing saddles. Tell him I said, ow. That was me. I like how you did that as an Englishman doing uh, a southern accent. Yeah, a lot of layers. Yeah, number two in Fight Club, Ed Norton shoots himself in the face. Like, oh, I thought he was going to pick mine from Fight Club. Oh, so close. That is a good one, though. Go ahead. Sorry. Does he shoot himself in the face? It's yeah. kind of an, it's an angled shot. Yeah, it's in the mouth. Like, but it's the mouth the is cheek. in part of the head, though. Yeah, luckily, Helena Bottom Carter has a lot of Kleenex in her purse, though, so that treats that okay. Lending credence to his assertion that Marla met him at a very strange time of his life. Hmm? And cue the pixies of his life. Number one, that was Alien Cubed, Tom. You're getting your finches mixed up. Number one, two for one, the pilot of the Flying Wing in Raiders of the Lost Ark takes a bundle of wheel chocks around the cranium, resulting eventually in the tough guy Nazi scrapper getting a propeller to the head. Take that, forces of evil. Yeah, that is a two for one. Aim for the head, huh, Tom? Not an injury, fatality. Dishonorable mention. The bullet for the head. Alien Resurrection, uh, General Perez. I think that's Dan Hedaya, isn't it? Plucks a piece of his own brain matter after his skull's caved in. Number two, the reporter Tim Messenger, played by Adam Buxton, has his head exploded by a fallen piece of masonry and hot fuzz. Less of an injury and more of a destruction. Yep. Now do I give you the ass or the crotch as I pass by? <laughs> <laughs> How's that working out for you? <laughs> Philip Torta, number three starship trooper, Xander gets a proboscis through the top of his head and his brain sucked out after he's captured by the bugs and brought before the brain bug. I used to know that dude. Number two, chopping mall. A blonde teen's head explodes after she's shot by a laser from a mall security bot. Chopping mall? Did you see that one, Tom? I don't know that one. I shall have to hunt it down. A mall security bot shoots lasers at mall goers? That's totally into that sound. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Phil Torta. Not as good as Scanners, but there's no way that movie hasn't been mentioned yet. (laughs) He didn't technically pick it, so we're still waiting for one more reader choice for Scanners. Number one, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. (laughs) 
Uh, you know what? The Home Alone movies are kind of good for head injuries. Uh, Joe Pesci sets his head on fire by a <laughs> light bulb booby trap. <laughs> it tries to... I kind of wish they'd make another of these movies, but make it in C-17. Tries to put it out by sticking his head in the toilet after the suit doesn't work. Unfortunately, the toilet is filled with kerosene. And the result is an explosion. Not an injury, a complication. Like he, he gets hit on his face from all that. That's the upshot. Not his brain. Never mind. Dark Knight, runner-up, Joker, pencil. Duncan Palmer, number three, Wally. And you are basically nothing but a box with anthropomorphic set of binoculars. Any damage is pretty dramatic. I like how oh. to a wall by Eva's over-enthusiastic spinning. Wally's eye drops off. Oh, we didn't even bring up Wally when we were talking. Damn it. Is that how you're supposed to say it? No, I just we didn't bring up Wally when we were talking about gravity. I'm kind of annoyed with that with us. I'm not. I'm happy with this. Number two, the Terminator. <laughs> The T-800 removes his damaged eye. This remains one of my favorite practical effect shots. I love the deliberate pacing of the whole sequence. Starts with the scalpel. We know. Uh, number one, American History X, Bite the Curb. Ugh. That's an injury. That's yeah. Yep. Curb stomp. Had a few runners up, but the closest to making the cut was when Jake's told he's a very nosy fellow in Chinatown. Thank you. Yep, exactly. Pissed at myself. Still pissed at myself for forgetting. To send in the reveal that Quint was on the Indianapolis last week. So I hope you guys like these three. God, last week always seems like so forever ago. Mm. Dan Edmonds, shoot me once in the head, shame on you. Shoot me twice. My number three picks from the movie Faster. Yep. Johnson shot. Thank you. Finally. Finally. Go ahead, Kelly. One. Sorry. Harrison Ford's character, a C3PO, shot in the back of the head. <laughs> You go in the head, the bullet goes in the head. It's like a dog said. We're going to need a bigger head. Uh, the bullet passes through the back of his skull through his left cheek. Lucky from the bullet misses his brain. Actually gets shot twice in the head in this movie, and both times are from Billy Bob Thornton's character. This also coincides with last week's 3 by 3 for Best Character Reveal. P.S. Harrison Ford replaced Dwayne Johnson's movie. It would be titled Slower. Oh, snap! That's right. People... See? That's a reverse troll. That's where you... What's trolling called if you, they do something that you want? It's called being right, is what it's called. Interesting. It's a Rick roll. Being right. Huh. <laughs> number two, head meet wheel. <laughs> he names his picks. My number two picks from the movie Ghost Rider. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Blaze attempts to jump over line of semis with Pyro and Crazy Train playing in the background. As Johnny lands awkwardly, we see him flipping over in slow motion. And see his head hits the front wheel of the bike <laughs> Pieces of the plastic visor of his helmet shatters. John's fine and asks if the bike's okay. Life's a mullet, dig it. My number one picks from the movie Joe Turt. <laughs> that's, that's something you don't hear on this podcast or any podcast. Meet Joe Dirt. Even a David Spade podcast. Joe is attempting to jump off a bridge as cops, news crews. Wait, let's let's recollect the plot of Joe Dirt from a <laughs> You need to understand the context of this. Guys, if we can think back to 2000-whatever, Joe is attempting to jump off a bridge as cops, news crews, and people are gathered nearby. One of the cops lassoes Joe's legs with bungee cord. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's me in the audience. Joe accidentally falls in the stretchy rope. It sounds like gravity, but on Earth. Joe accidentally falls 
and David Spade instead of Clooney. But that's it sounds like gravity, but on Earth. <laughs> Joe accidentally falls in the stretchy rope, pulls him back up. He hits his head on the bottom of the bridge and passes out. They stole that from uh, American Werewolf Paris. We later see Joe in bed, surrounded by his close friends. While he was out, they replaced his mullet with a Rastafarian hairstyle. That's the payoff to that head injury. Different haircut. Pretty crazy. Soren Hoogland, who, by the way, I think it was a good pick. Uh, Why did we get married to? I think it was a less random choice than I think we... It seemed it when I first heard it. So Soren Hoagland's a secret genius. As the Joker said to Harvey Dent, hi, hopefully there's no bad feelings between us, besides all Tom's fault for having a contest where there was a 50% chance of me winning. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, I, and by the way, I have no complaint with me. I, I watch so many crappy movies. If people want it, I've never, ever minded someone recommending a movie to me. Me Whether I like it or hate it, yeah. So because you learn a lot from bad movies. And exactly. Like, find diamonds in the rough, and why is it bad? Like, what? and especially when you find that you've just gotten one step closer to to completing your mission to see all of Dwayne Johnson's movies. <laughs> okay, I agreed with you a long yeah, time. Ago. That didn't go where I was expecting. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks, Tom. There. Uh, yeah. Soren Hoogland, head injuries. I interpreted best to mean grossest. Three kill list. I don't think I've seen that. What? Kill List? Is that yeah, Ben, ben Watley is a British director. Uh, I think it was his first or second movie. He recently did an amazing movie, Kelly Wan, that you should totally see called The Sightseers. Uh, you would love this. Uh, and Kill List is, uh, I think it's on Netflix by now. Um, okay. It's kind of a Pulp Fiction meets The Wicker Man. Oh, that sounds choice. Or are you just talking about the title? <laughs> So like, uh, I waved Dingus off of it. It's one of those that I thought Dingus wasn't ready for. Um, I'm kind of. Uh, I want to get the Dingus Martyrs thing kind of over with, so we can find a new movie to wonder if he'll like. Right, right. Because I think I think he's ready for this, and we can move him on to like serious fare. Okay. Well, so uh, Kill List. I'm, I don't remember a head injury. I, I wasn't too crazy about Kill List, but you would like it. Hmm. That's not a slam. That's just me knowing Kelly Wan's taste. Oh, okay. Well, you like Magic Mike, and uh, yes, I do. What isn't Matthew McConaughey in that? Dingus? And the Avengers. Oh my God, the Avengers! You guys watch the Avengers? How many times have you seen that stupid movie? Every day. Interesting. See, because gravity. Never mind. Son, just don't. <laughs> the librarian meets his end via repeated hammer blows to the head until there's nothing left. Tom, that oh. is an accurate depiction of. What you might see in Kill List. Lost Highway, one of Frank Langella's henchmen's head, so should be plural, Yeah, meets the edge of a coffee table with fatal result, white man. Not an injury. <laughs> no offense, Soren. <laughs> Thanks for winning the contest and keep listening. <laughs> Number one, bad taste. You'll like that, Kelly Wand. It's not a slam. Peter Jackson cracks his head open on some rock, spilling his brains all over it. Do you like how it just turns into me picking on listener's grammar? So he stuffs what he can back in and puts a hat. Wait, now I'm starting to like it. So he stuffs what he can back in and puts a hat on to keep it in place with limited success. So later he replaces the missing pieces with some alien brains. 
Cheers, Soren. I don't remember that. That, that one is an injury, similar to Ray Liotta and Hannibal. That's an injury. I think that was the last Peter Jackson movie. <laughs> is Million Dollar Baby a head injury? Yep. What about Rocky Five? Oh, wait, no, wait, no, no, she dies. No, it's not. Well, eventually, but not because of the injury. Basket oh, kids. that's right, that's right. Okay, so yes, it's an injury. But is it a uh, neck? It, it, all right, again. It's is an it upper body neck? injury. How's that? Right. Uh, the... The the chief in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest head injury. Jack Nicholson also had injury. Oh no, that's who I meant. That's what I forgot who got electroshock therapy. I screwed it up. God, you're dumb. You are so dumb. <laughs> that's the dumbest thing you've ever said. You got those two characters. Okay, shut up. In the end, uh, the Indian gets a <laughs> Jack Nicholson runs off. Jack Nicholson runs off after lifting the thing that he couldn't lift in Tom's memory. Chris Hornbostel. I'm calling anything on the face or general head-all injury a head-end wound. Also, for wounds that didn't obviously cause immediate death for the character receiving the injury. Interesting. Yeah, like yeah. Marathon Man, yeah. a bunch of head injuries because of the teeth. Basket it's Case, he's just a head, so anytime Basket Case gets hurt. Even emotionally. Yeah, even his feelings hurt. It's a head injury. Actually, if your feelings are hurt, it's a head injury for anyone, isn't it? <laughs> That's a heart injury, Kelly Wand. Ooh. The heart feels what the heart feels. The quote is Jonathan... Yes? What? No, go ahead. Yes, the quote is from Chris Hornbostel. What's the quote? Go ahead. <sighs> the quote is Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan. <laughs> that was the code words that uh, they used to signify that Osama bin Laden had been shot. Jonathan? Jonathan. <laughs> In the original Rollerball from 1975, Jonathan E.'s best buddy, Moondog, gets cheap shotted on the track, stunning him as he lands hard. One guy on Team Tokyo then pulls off his helmet. A head injury from Rollerball. Then number two, you're knocking him out. You're Wait, sorry, I fucked it up. You're not knocking him out. You're only beating the piss out of him from Funny Farm. I remember that one. Remember? Because he's in the fishing boat. And he hooks his buddy with the fishing hook under the chin. So yeah. goes, I gotta re- I gotta knock him out first before I remove the hook. So he just keeps punching his head. <laughs> what the? <laughs> and it doesn't knock him out. Is that a Chevy Chase movie? Or is yeah, that Chevy Chase punching an old man in the in the with a hook in his mouth repeatedly. And then they, I think he tries to get an oar, and then they. Kick That's terrifying. No, it's funny. It's oh, a funny car. Number one, the quote is, maybe we need to send a couple of people down there and look things over before we just ride in. Uh, Long Riders, Walter Hill movie, Keith Carradine. Man, those are obscure polls, Chris. And then he says he's off to see Gravity. Sorry, I'm kind of skimming a little here because we got so many entries. We're a victim of our own success, Tom, or the popularity of head injuries among our listeners is what we're really a victim of. Number three, Starship Troopers. Oh, yeah, a guy takes helmet off during live fire training exercise, gets shot. <laughs> oh. That is Wait, a good one. That's, that's that happens with Saving Private Ryan, too. Doesn't, like, a guy get his helmet shot? In oh, well, that's day? not very funny. Uh-huh. Steven Spielberg stealing from Paul Verhoeven. Number two, Mission Impossible. Tom Cruise defeats John Voight by lying on his back on a moving train. And pushing Boyd head into an incoming tunnel. Why? I think that was from Mission Impossible Three. That's from Wolverine. That's from the Lone Ranger, actually. Number one, the fugitive Joe Pantoliano. 
gets a girder to the head while looking for Dwayne Johnson hiding behind some washing machines. Taps Wait, what? Metal beams and laundry. <laughs> Look, you piqued it's Tom's dead. interest. What? Dwayne Johnson? What? Girder? What? That's how Tom sounds to me. Aaron Vaughn. Two, quarter to three. Here are my choices for head injuries. I decided to go with non-lethal ones, since there's no challenge in cool head shots. Everyone makes up their own rules for my topics. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> Softball. I see it more as I'm expanding my... Okay. Number three, The Chaser. I'm an idiot. It's what I really think. For whoever is the resident Korean movie buff in the crowd, Tom, I'll bet. Probably even too late in writing before Tom could say that would be him. Did you follow that, Tom? I did, yes. I kind yeah. of agree with it. I probably, yeah. You're the Korean movie buff. I don't know The Chaser, though. I do not know this movie. There's a fight at the end of the movie that's lengthy, but what sticks with me most is when at some point one of the guys is clobbered with a bust or bookend or something. Oh, yeah, that was in uh, White House Down, but the other one. Olympus Down. <laughs> the fight at this point is exhaustive, and the actor's clearly disoriented. Get it, Tom? Korean? After taking a hit like this, making this head injury feel like it's the final straw. Get it, Tom? Korean? <laughs> That means before he's out cold. Number two, toss him overboard. Toy Story. And Woody climbs into the moving van, and Mr. Potato Head gets his whole face knocked off. A gruesome head injury. Number one, butt it. Don't butt in line. Don't butt it. Wait, number one. I hate reading that. Is this Sightseers? No, go ahead. What is it? It's something from that you like. So I thought, don't butt in line. Oh, oh, uh, super. Right. Very nice. Driving the nerve to cut in line, and then Super comes out and gives him a head injury with a hammer. Well, the one later in the movie is... Uh, oh, is my it? God. That's yeah, sorry. sorry to bring that up. Carry on, Kelly Wand. I just want to take a minute. Oh, you're talking about Volte? Volte? What's her name? That head injury? Just Ellen Page to you and me. I just yeah. want to take a minute to say I like the charity drive, even though I forgot to participate. So gushy. <laughs> then I like think it would be nice to see it reappear on a quarterly basis or something. Not that I like the winning movie either. <laughs> Fifth room. Runner-ups, reanimator when the old guy at the end loses his head over a battle of science. It's also more of a neck injury. Happy Gilmore when Adam Sandler put putt-putt gold clown spits Adam Sandler's ball out at him. <laughs> He yells at it and takes its nose off with a golf club. I was going to use this as my number one, but Tom probably wouldn't like that. Thanks for some of the podcasts, Aaron. Which ones does he not thank us for? I had, I kind of added that for fun. Gretchen Grassoff. Hi, guys. Here are my picks for some memorable head injuries. Number three, fire extinguisher to the head, irreversible. See, Dingus, you're covered. Oh, good point. Is that the one you guys were talking about? Uh, no, no, the other one. I was kvetching yesterday. I got to see Irreversible because it keeps coming up on the podcast. I'm being annoyed. Oh, wait, you've never seen it? No, because it's a rape movie. I no, because he, he, he made us see uh, Zone of Zero or whatever that movie was. Enter the Void. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and seen he, Enter the Void, and that made your top ten that year, Kelly. One, you still haven't seen Irreversible. Like, oh, I want to murder okay. both of you. So hard. Fuck. Back to Gretchen. I know you guys just talked about this scene, so let's not linger on it. After this and the following scene, I couldn't bear to finish this movie. I did, however, watch that head cave in a few more times just to see the great use of practical effects. And also because we can. When we were kids, Tom. We 
head injuries we had to like now was that a practical effect though or was was that part of the cg in that movie she says it's a practical effect i haven't seen the movie but so she's saying it's not a computer head and you're saying it's like it looks so rubbery though i mean i've only watched it once you might be right dingus yeah what about the head Uh, number two harry's lightning shaped injury uh, I like you, Gretchen. It's cute. Harry Potter. Mar- <laughs> Marilyn Monroe's mole. Yeah. Julia Roberts's uh, hair. I couldn't help myself, but it's a pretty good non-fatal wound that carries a good amount of significance throughout the series. Feel free to groan now. We can only giggle with joy that you wrote that. Number one, I drink your milkshake. There will be blood. Oh, it's a great one. Ah, oh, oh that's that's a nice, very good call. Because you could, you could go not the fatal one, like the fifteenth one before. Daniel Day Lewis is so eerie and calculated. I get chills every time I see this scene. See, I always watch that scene with enjoyment, like a like a fucking Hal Needham movie. Yeah, I'm finished. Really, yeah, I kind of relate to. Wait, is that the one you're thinking of? Oh, which one were you thinking of? I'm thinking of the one early on where that pylon falls down on the guy's head. In the in the in that's the, not fun. Oh. That one's depressing. The bowling pin's awesome. And yeah, great. the bowling pin's awesome. But God, that injury where they got where that thing falls down, the piston falls on that guy's head. Good God! Well, you just got to stand in the right spot. There's a sign that says that. That's a good point. Paul but, Dano situates himself. Unfortunately, the the signs down there don't have room, so the thing keeps hitting him. Do you remember what? Do you remember that visual? Though? That's bummer. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <sighs> It's depressing and sad. Thanks, Dingus. Nice Thanks, work. Dingus for Gretchen gave us something cool to think about, and you made it a bummer. Yeah, sorry about right. that, Gretchen. I apologize. You enjoyed your writing until Dingus buzz killed. Right. Let's just talk about the uh, talk about the guys. Back, the, back to the milkshake. Woo! Little boy going deaf instead. Those are the listeners. Now we can talk about our other ones that aren't those. If there are. Dingus, do you know about this Fifty Shades of Grey movie? <laughs> <laughs> I believe he sings in it. Is that a head injury? Uh, you know the uh, the 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 novel and the casting. You know, like Charlie Hunnam is cast as the male lead, the guy from Pacific Rim. Yeah, uh, and a lot of fans were. Do you know who's directing Fifty Shades of Grey? No, I have no idea. Ridley Scott. So she's a woman named Sam Taylor Johnson, and we've seen another movie that she made. Uh, it it was a short in an anthology, and the actual short was called Death Valley. Does that ring any bells for you? Oh, good lord! What the star of Death Valley is Chris Rains. Chris Rains. <laughs> no, the, the, no way! You got to. Yep, the movie is Destricted, and I just I came across this with some story about the casting in this. So yeah, the the director of Death Valley in Destricted, in which Chris Rains walks out into the desert and and tries to masturbate and fails and gives up, and it's all one shot. Uh, she's now doing Fifty Shades of Grey. So there you go. Wow, Davis. Talk, that, that's that a, is freaking impressive. Never give up. <laughs> never surrender. Kelly, one have you seen Delisted or Destricted? Uh, I only read the book, Fifty Shades of Destructive. Uh, do we have runners-up to uh, for head injuries? I just needed to tell Dingus about that. Uh, just so I've mentioned this before, but oh, sorry, sorry, Kelly. One, I just yeah, no, no, that was it. Just taking continue. Sorry. Uh, 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 Carl Rodan is a is a uh, I think he's a Czech fella. Is a an actor we all love, and there's a really weird. Uh, Polish Western called Summer of Love in which he gets a head injury in a gunfight and uh, to treat it he shakes out he shakes out all of the 
the gunpowder from his bullets and he puts it in his hair and he lights it on fire and then sticks his head in a mud puddle to, to cauterize his head wound. Uh, I mentioned uh, that. that. Sounds got favorite weirdly relaxing. <laughs> He's the guy from Running Scared, right? Yeah, from Running Scared and, and Orphan and uh, what else has he been in? Uh, he's He's been around for a while. The Running Scared with Gregory Hines. Or... How dare you, Kelly Wand. Oh. Kelly Wand, you, you haven't seen Irreversible. You haven't seen The the Good Running Scared. I, I don't know you anymore. Is it a reboot? Nope, absolutely, absolutely not. So Paul yeah. Walker's not playing the Billy Crystal. <laughs> the only runner-up I had is is a fatality, so I don't know if I can even tell it. Well, I was thinking of the the if something is already dead, can you inflict a head injury? You can't like, have your pudding if you don't eat your meat, Tom. Thank you. Oh, no, so you're you're thinking about the Untouchables? What is the head injury there? Well, I'm thinking of a famous shovel kill that I've seen a few times. I think someone even mentioned one, uh, and I first saw it in a uh, Day of the Dead, where somebody like put rams a shovel into a zombie's mouth and then steps on it with his, the zombie's laying down and steps on it with his foot and throws away the top half of the zombie's head. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's one in Final Destination where Goon mm. gets half his head cut off and he makes like a sound as he falls, like. Ugh. Like the sound you think you'd make if half your head came off. Is that what you meant to say? Also, uh, I don't think I don't remember what noise the zombie made. Uh, Dingus, what's your fatality? If this was your Dingus, if this was favorite head fatalities, what would your runner-up have been? It would have been the Russian roulette moment in Deer Hunter. Once again, Dingus bringing us down. Wow. It's just that That's idea fair. of like somebody trying to stop up a wound that there's no reason to stop. Ah, it. just no help. Oh. Just that's just a heartbreaking moment for me. Thanks, Dingus. You're welcome. Anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, Remember when we were all buzzed from? Yeah. Hey, that's Stormtrooper. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you guys ready for next week's three by three? Are we? Okay. Are we? Next week we're gonna be making movies. I want from you guys okay. four movies, three ingredients. So three three picks. Each one requires three ingredients. I want you to choose. <laughs> a fa- hold on, a famous character from history or fiction. Jesus. An, an actor and a director. So, for instance, Batman, Ben Affleck, Zack Snyder. You know, that's a real thing. That's an actual thing. So you can't pick that one. Or another example from from recent uh, news that actually came out: uh, President Nixon, John Cusack. Lee Daniels. What? See? So John Cusack plays President Nixon in a movie directed by Lee Daniels called The Butler. Um, so what I what I, I was just thinking of <laughs> there's a specific there's a specific actor that I want to play a specific role, and so I just want you guys to pick an actor to play a specific role, a famous fictional or historical character, whatever you want, and then choose a director who would make this movie. So I want you guys to propose three movies. It involve a famous character, an actor to play that character, and a director to make your movie. Does the actor have to be alive now? Nope. So it can be real. Well, you know what? It's Tino playing John Cusack. It's your it's your movie, Kelly One. You might have a hard time getting that one greenlit. Oh, that's what we have to do. We can't just. It's not for fun. We have to actually get the movie produced. Uh, that would be if you could do that, Kelly One. That would be that would be awesome. No one. You don't. It's not mandatory. If you can do it, it's great. It's an optional thing, uh, but not at all mandatory. Anything just is awfully quiet for such a weird bunch of gibberish <laughs> from Tom. Uh, if you have picks, listeners, uh, send those. We, we just need a famous character, an actor, and a director. Come on, who doesn't? 
Ben Affleck as Batman, directed by Zack Snyder. Who doesn't want that, for instance? Wait, that's your... That's, that's my example, but that's a real thing. These can be hypothetical, you know? Wait, who doesn't want that was what you see that as, as opposed to like, the convergence of things I don't give a shit about. I was being facetious, but oh, yeah. okay, I see. <laughs> All right, got it. By the way, Runner Runner, his movie with Justin Timberlake, uh, yeah. tanked this weekend. Nobody saw it. Yeah. So I huh. didn't. I mean, I saw the trailer for that. That's another. See, this is why trailers are kind of good. I, I think you give them short shrift because sometimes they talk you out of seeing the movie that you might otherwise have seen. And like the trailer for Runner Runner just kept going. Like it seemed to give away every story beat, and none of them were that interesting. Like it kept seeming to get worse. Like oh, that and now it's on that. Okay. I'm confident in my ability to figure out what I want to see. Without and a, I am totally uh, confident in their ability to ruin what I want to see. I'm confident that I'm too lazy to get up unless it's really a trailer for something I, get, I really care about, which there isn't one. There's nothing left. Well, Kelly, did you see Lincoln Lawyer, Kelly Wand? No, I don't see movies based on toy products. Because <laughs> that's uh, the guy who directed Lincoln Lawyer, which I, which I liked and was pretty solid. Uh, he's the guy who's doing Runner Runner. So if he can handle a good Matthew McConaughey vanity project, who's to say he can't handle a Justin Timberlake? He seems to like alliteration in his titles. Yep, yep. That's uh, you could definitely say that. Fascinating wand. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so at any rate, next week though we will be seeing uh, Captain exactly. Phillips. Uh, yes, what thing is? Nothing. Oh, I didn't hear you. Uh, so next week we will be seeing Captain Phillips. See that? Uh, join us for that. Uh, if you have any uh, picks for uh, a character, an actor, and a director, send those in to three by three at quarter to three. That's the number three, the letter X, the number three at quarter to three dot com. Uh, and join us when we talk about that next week. I'm Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Malinsky, I believe it is. It's Christian Morosky. That was close enough. And uh, Kelly Wand. Psycho's Norman Bates' head injury. It's like a psychological. (laughs) Wait. Oh. Dingus, if we were astronauts, you wouldn't let go, right? If it was me. I hate space.